0: Hello, I'm Daniel Davis, and you are listening to the Gospel Project for Adults weekly leader training podcast. This week, we are on Unit 27, Session 2, titled, The Crucified King. Only a handful of hours into his last day before death, Jesus had already been falsely accused and wrongly condemned to death. He was flogged by officials, forsaken by his followers, and left so weak that he could not even carry his cross to the place of his execution. Yet the emotional anguish and physical pain he bore could not keep him from obediently fulfilling God's purpose, which was to bear the wrath of God against sin in our place. Christ came to be a ransom for sinners so that those who believed could become part of the forever family of God. Jesus laid down his life to provide salvation to all who repent of their sin. In point one, we see that Jesus, the crucified king, extends forgiveness to the executioners. The scripture passage in Luke 23 paints a picture that we can easily imagine. Jesus is nailed to his cross and raised up for all to see, and on his right and left are two criminals in the same state. The scene is easy to see in our minds, but Jesus' words sound so utterly foreign to us. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. The soldiers at his elevated feet who had nailed him to the cross, and who subsequently gambled for his clothes and mocked him as the king of the Jews. For these soldiers, Jesus prayed for their forgiveness. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins, and I can't imagine that is more true in any other situation than this one. It is at least worth considering the implication of Jesus' statement that even though the soldiers didn't know they were crucifying the Son of God, They were still culpable for their sin and needed forgiveness. Ignorance is not an excuse for sin, because we are ignorant of God's law and the reality of our circumstances in the first place on account of our sin. As sinners, we actively suppress the knowledge of the truth, as Romans 1 says. We should know better, but we choose not to. And this leads us further into sin, unless we repent and believe in the one crucified for our sin. In recent days, my wife and I have commented on the irony of ironies, that our children will object to behavior in each other that they themselves are guilty of. Yet the greatest irony of ironies occurred here in Luke 23, as the crowd called for Jesus to save himself, and the soldiers mocked Jesus as the King of the Jews. Jesus came into the world for this very moment, to die on the cross in our place for our sins. To save himself would have been consigning every person in that crowd and every sinner in the world to their just punishment without hope for mercy or grace. Not to mention it would have been disobedience to the Father, thus making God the Son a sinner, and that cannot happen. But Jesus ignored their jabs and endured the cross, looking forward to the joy that lay before Him, a vindication by the Father, and the salvation of countless brothers and sisters who repent and believe, even some of those in that very crowd and the soldiers mocked, but in truth, they had crucified the king of the Jews. He didn't come down from the cross that day, but he was raised three days later, and he will return again as the undisputed king of the Jews and of the whole world. On that day, there will be no more mocking, only cries of joy or cries of despair, as the king of all the earth judges the living and the dead. In point two, we see that Jesus, the crucified king, promises salvation to the repentant. The dialogue in this scene shifts from the people on the ground to the criminals in the air being crucified on Jesus' right and left. In these two people, we have two different responses to the good news Jesus embodied and came to proclaim to the world. For a third time, Jesus is confronted with the call to save himself and demonstrate that he is the Messiah and our Savior. One criminal tells Jesus to save himself and them as well. This could sound sincere, but the response from the other criminal helps us to see that this is yet another example of mocking. Then we get into the words of the second criminal and how refreshing and encouraging they are. What reason did this man have to look at Jesus on the cross next to him and come to the conclusion that Jesus had done nothing wrong and that Jesus truly was the King of the Jews headed into His kingdom. Nothing except the mysterious work of God to change the sinner's heart, to see the purposeful plan of God in our dying Savior. Here was probably the first believer in the crucified Christ, and though he was a criminal, justly deserving his death penalty, he humbly asked Jesus to be remembered in His kingdom what an encouragement this man must have been to jesus as he suffered and endured the cross in the painful agonizing process of laying down his life for sinners jesus heard from a first fruits of his sacrifice remember me and our holy and good king issued his judgment right then and there truly i tell you today you will be with me in paradise from his cross jesus prayed for the forgiveness of others And he also declared this repentant criminal to be justified and welcomed into his perfect kingdom. What an encouragement this must have been for the criminal, staring down death and hell, to hear Jesus say, Today, you will be with me. May we all look forward to that day with the urgency and hope that must have been felt by this dying man. In point three, we see that Jesus, the crucified king, entrusts himself to the Father. We have finally come to the moment in the Bible storyline that is the crux or hinge of the whole thing. Without the death of Jesus, none of the rest of the Bible has any meaning. The same could be said for Jesus' resurrection, which is why these two events are so integral to the gospel we proclaim. The significance of the crucifixion event was broadcast on a cosmic scale with darkness covering the land. And on a religious front, the curtain in the temple tore from the top to bottom. This curtain separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. The Holy of Holies was where the high priest entered once a year to sprinkle the blood of a sacrifice to make atonement for the people. If God was said to dwell in the temple, then the Holy of Holies was his room, and no one entered unbidden or without permission or instruction. But with the curtain torn, direct access to God was once again open to us and that by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus to atone for our sins. The whole ordeal of death and darkness caused a change of heart in the centurion overseeing the crucifixion, and in the crowds present for the spectacle of a man's crucifixion. The former recognized the righteousness of Jesus, that he was unworthy of the punishment laid upon him, and the latter, the crowds, experienced remorse for their participation in what they must have concluded was an unjust execution. But the central point of this passage is Jesus' statement as he breathed his last. Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. People had said, He saved others, let him save himself. Save yourself. Save yourself and us. They were saying, Save yourself and prove it that you are the Messiah, the King of the Jews. Jesus heard this over and over again, but he refused to give in to these temptations. He stayed on that cross, despising the shame everyone else kept heaping upon him, and at the end, he cast all his cares upon his father. Jesus obeyed the father to the end and left it to the father to vindicate the obedience of his son, which he did three days later in Jesus' resurrection, something we'll look forward to in a few more sessions. Jesus willingly took up His cross, and suffered the judgment our sins deserve. At the moment He died, the curtain in the temple sanctuary was torn in two, signifying that sinners have access to God through the perfect blood of Christ. The crucifixion of Jesus is the center of history, revealing God's holiness and justice, our sinfulness and unrighteousness, and Christ's humility and love. Because Jesus died in our place to pay for our sins, We believers should not only proclaim to the world that Jesus died on the cross, but also why He died. Jesus died to save sinners from their sin and their wages of death. He has saved us through repentance and faith, and He will save everyone who comes to Him in the same way. This is the gospel of Christ crucified that we proclaim. Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.